little bit of Bruce to kick off hour number four of the big show. Welcome back inside the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. George Russick, Matty Rose signing off for the day. You'll hear more from Georgie in the new year. Matty Rose back tomorrow with Peter Klein hosting the morning show Thursday and Friday. I'm GVP. I got Shan along with me as well. Day off for the Flames today. They'll be back in action Thursday, taking on the Anaheim Ducks. But, uh, the other team up north, the Edmonton Oilers were in action yesterday, and they fall to the New York Islanders with a final score 3-1. to one. And to talk about those Oilers, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to regional writer for NHL.com, Derek Van Dees. Derek, how's it going today? Thanks for taking some time. Good, good, guys. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. No worries at all. And uh, I, I want to get into some stuff here with the Edmonton Oilers because I feel like they are an interesting team right now given their start to the season and this little bit of a surge they've been on. And Oilers come into that game yesterday against the the New York Islanders were 8-2 and two in their last 10 and have gotten themselves back into the playoff picture, as I mentioned. What, mentioned, uh, what, what do you think has been the biggest thing for this Oilers team that has kind of gotten them back into the playoff picture and kind of on the right side of things? Well, well, to me, there was there's two things. Um, I think Connor McDavid was playing injured the first little uh, part of the year. I think he hurt his back, whether he pulled a muscle or did something to his back, and I think he was trying to play through that uh, in the first uh, you know ten, twelve games of the year. And it wasn't just he wasn't himself. It didn't seem like yeah. the same Connor McDavid. He didn't have that acceleration where he kind of separated from players. So you knew something was bothering him. And I, I know we kept asking him about that. He kept downplaying it. But you could tell he wasn't 100% healthy. So I think now he's 100% healthy. He looks like the Connor McDavid. We, we've all grown to see, going to see, going accustomed to see the last few years. He has the puck. He's been able to accelerate away from players. So he's doing that. So that's, that's part of it. Connor McDavid is back to being Connor McDavid. I think also, too, is Matthias Ekholm on the back end. He missed the entire training camp. Uh, with an undisclosed injury. I think it was a hip injury that was bothering him or, or something like that. So he was behind everyone else, and then it took him a while to kind of get back up to speed. And once he got back up to speed, it kind of really helped out that defensive end. Uh, it helped out Evan Bouchard a lot, and then everyone else kind of just kind of fit into there. So once he got up to speed, defensively they were playing better, and then their goaltending got a little better. Stuart Skinner, uh, he was playing a little better uh, behind the defensive uh you know, defense that that was playing a little better. So that all kind of all came together at the same time. And they went on this little run here. Uh, but now they've lost three in a row. Yeah. So they've got to, you know, they've got to find that again. Uh, I think offensively, they're, they're struggling. They're struggling to score goals. They're generating a lot of chances, but they're not scoring. You don't see this team score one goal very often. They usually a, goal, a team that averages three or four goals a game. And their and two of their last three losses, they've only scored one goal. So I think that's the issue right now. They're out shooting teams pretty badly, but they're not they're not able to convert on those opportunities. And the game against the Islanders, uh, they lost the special teams battle, which they rarely do. They're, they're, they they gave up two power play goals and a shorthanded goal, and their power play didn't score. So that that was the situation with the Islanders last night is that their power play didn't come through. Um, but overall, they're playing a lot better. But they have to be careful here because they're going to go into New Jersey and they're going to, uh, new, to play the New York Rangers. Those are two pretty good teams, and you don't want to give back the the eight games in a row that you that you that you, that you went that run you went on. So now they're at three in a row. You lose those two, you lose five in a row, and now you're back into a 
pretty desperate situation if you're the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also wanted to ask you about the the man they have behind the bench right now. It's been about a, a month since uh, Woodcroft was fired and relieved of his duties as the coach of the Oilers. What have you made of new head coach Chris Knobloch during his tenure here with the Oilers? How has his approach kind of been different to Woodcroft's, and is he kind of making his stamp with the team right now? Um, I think it's been different in a sense that he seems to have a calming influence on this team. Uh, Woodcroft was a good coach, and, and, and he was an emotional guy, um, and, and, and you could see that. And, and But I think Knobloch, not much seems to phase him. And now it'll be interesting to see if he goes on a bit of a skid here, how he kind of reacts to that. But I think in that sense, he's just kind of cal- he's a calming influence. He doesn't get too excited where they win eight games in a row, or they lost three in a row. He doesn't seem to get too excited about that. So he's brought in, he's tweaked the systems a little bit, but there's only so much you can do mid-season. So he's tweaked the systems a little bit. And I know talking to the players, they said, yeah, he's a calming influence. He's a very bright guy. He's a very good communicator. Um, not that Jay Woodcroft wasn't. And they, they're all very careful to see that not, Jay Woodcroft, they were still surprised. That Jay Woodcroft was fired, and they did like Jay Woodcroft, but he kind of delivers the message a little differently. And I think Paul Coffey behind the bench has helped as well. I think Paul Coffey, um, he's a no-nonsense guy. Paul Coffey's yeah. not going to sugarcoat anything. And then I think maybe the Oilers needed a little bit of that. I think Dave Manson was a little like that as well. But Paul Coffey basically he's told these guys, hey, if you can't get the job done, we'll find someone else that can get the job done. So he's really challenged that back end to make plays and, 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 and be responsible and, and do the right thing. So I think that has helped out a little bit as well. I know Paul Coffey has helped out Evan Bouchard a lot since he's gotten here. They have a, they've had a relationship going back to his, their days in London. So uh, having him behind the bench and being able to talk to him shift to shift has been a big benefit to Evan Bouchard. Yeah, um, right now the Oilers find themselves chomping on the heels of teams like the Flames, the Wild, Blues, Coyotes, those teams are all kind of hovering around the playoff picture. Do you think the Oilers are really taking any of those teams seriously when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of the playoff race, right? The Oilers are probably the most most experienced team out of that group, maybe besides the Blues, who do have a cup in 2019. But I I feel like if I'm the Oilers right now, I, I shouldn't be feeling like I'm out of this playoff race given the fact of kind of the rough start and injuries they've had to start the season. Well, they, they shouldn't be taking these teams lightly. If they do that, they, they'll do that at their own peril. But I think the situation in the Western Conference is you have maybe the three elite teams, uh, you know, Vegas, Los Angeles, and Vancouver. And then you have everyone else is kind of in the mix there. Everyone else has is, 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 is made a bit of a run, and, and, and no one's really out of this thing. And so I think um, they've kind of all the way they've, they've played each other, they've kind of all kept each other in the race. And, and you're looking at the standings and, and you know how you don't have to be too many games over 500 to get into a playoff spot right now. And I think that's the thing that's kind of a saving grace for the Edmonton Oilers. Like they're lucky that these teams haven't run away from from them, and especially when when they were really really struggling. They I think they started to two nine and one. They got out of the gate, so they're really lucky that those other teams didn't run away from them. But I think it's it's a matter that there's a lot of parity in that when the Western Conference, in my opinion, that not any team can win on any given night. And and you're seeing this that you know Calgary came up with a big win against Florida. Uh, Arizona's playing well. Nashville's put together a bit of a run here. So these teams that no one's really out of it right now. And 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 I think that's the the situation in the Western Conference is that parity is keeping those teams kind of lumped together and, and keeping 
teams alive. And if you can put together a run, if you can put together five in a row, six in a row, you'll get yourself right back in the mix, right in the thick of things. And I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the league. It's a good thing for the conference. And it's a good thing for teams that other teams aren't running away with it. So I think uh, it's going to be really, really exciting here after Christmas uh, how how these things stack up. We're in conversation with Derek Van Dees, regional writer for NHL.com, covers the Oilers as well. He's joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline here on Hour 4 of The Big Show. I'm GVP and he's Shan. Derek, last time we talked, uh, we talked earlier in the season when Ekholm was seemingly coming off an injury. He didn't have a, a, a big training camp, which you mentioned to me. Um, but that Ekholm-Bouchard pairing is so important for this Oilers team. Obviously, Bouchard's got 32 points, so offensively is not the problem. But uh, defensively, have you seen a big boost in their play? And that's some of the reason why the Oilers are starting to come back here? Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with Ekholm's play. I think Ekholm's a guy that is really a stabilizing factor back there for Bouchard, allowing Evan Bouchard to jump into the rush to try and make offensive plays. And, and Evan Bouchard, he's a, he's a great offensive defenseman. He's got great offensive instincts. He's got a killer shot. Like they call it the Bush bomb up here. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he lets it go, he lets it go. And, and it's accurate. And I think he dropped a couple of guys yesterday with it. Um, so it's a, it's a killer shot. But I think just having Ekholm back here uh, as his partner, he, he kind of allows him to do that. And, and it's funny because, you know, you, we talk about how the influence Coffee had uh, on Evan Bouchard. A few months ago, I was talking to Charlie Huddy because he was inducted into the Oilers Wall of Fame. And Huddy was coffee's partner and, and he had kind of the same job that echo has with bouchard he stayed home he made sure everything was good defensively mm-hmm. allowed coffee to roam and range around said he how he joked that he had to work both corners because coffee didn't like working the corners so uh, it, you, you're kind of seeing the same thing with echo and bouchard and, and once echo got healthy uh i think that was a, that was a really big thing because when it, a healthy echo is is a really high-end top quality defensive defenseman that really retrieves pucks and gets pucks out and wins a lot of battles along the boards. And early on, uh, both of those guys were losing a lot of battles along the boards, and that was one of the issues that the Oilers had. Yeah, and another guy I want to talk about here, Leon Dreisaitl. There's no doubt that he's one of the best offensive, or one of the best players uh, in the league, period. But his his production is, has dropped off a little bit. And I saw an interesting stat that, that sparked me to look at his, his stats that, over the last three years, he's got the highest shooting percentage in the league at 19.3. Uh, this year, he's shooting at 15.3%. and you know, He's got 34 points in 29 games, but he's usually right there with, with McDavid, and this year he's dropped a little bit. Um, is there any concern with what's going on with, with, with Leon Dreisettle this year, or is it, is it just a little bit of uh, unlucky, unluckiness this year? Well, I think right now there's, there's a couple of situations. They, they brought in Connor Brown. And he hasn't been able to, to get it, find his footing yet. So they, he broke, Carter Brown is playing in the top six. Well, last year they had a guy like uh, Yamamoto in the top six. So Yamamoto didn't produce much, but at least he produced. Right. Carter Brown has yet to score a goal. Carter Brown, you know, he's coming off the major knee surgery. They expected him to take a while to, to kind of get going. Carter Brown does a lot of good things. He's a good penalty killer. He does a lot of good things, but he's not scoring. And so whatever line Carter Brown is playing on uh, is, is, is really, you know, their production is down. And so he's played with Drysdale a little bit. He's played with McDavid a little bit. They're trying to find uh, a good line for Drysdale. They had him with Fogel and McLeod, two other guys that are struggling to score right now. They, they changed it up uh, the other night. Uh, I think they had Eugene Hopkins with him and, and, and Kane. So I think that's one of the issues right now is that Drysdale is still the player that he is, but he's, he's not getting the, the finish from from his wingers, and they're not finishing their opportunities. They're not finishing their chances. 
Um, and, and he's not shooting the puck as much as he was before. And, he, okay. and I think a lot of teams are, you know, that one-timer, that seam one-timer that he would score on from, from, the, from the goal line type thing. I think a lot of teams are onto that now, and a lot of goaltenders are looking for that now. And that's not been as successful as it has been in the past. So they're, 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 they, are, they are seeing what's going on with dry settle, but I think a lot of it falls on, on his line mates to kind of pick up the slack a little bit because he's playing with some guys that are really, really struggling offensively right now. Right. So that gets me to the next thing. We, when we talk about the Oilers over the last, I don't know, let's say five years, with obviously with McDavid and Drysaddle, um, there's been three problems. The defense, at some points, goaltending has been an issue, but I'd say my biggest thing for the Oilers has been depth scoring. And it seems like this year, again, not much depth scoring. Obviously getting Sam Gagne back, uh, it looks like he's he's back like he's 28. He, he's been looking good. But um, w- with the depth scoring, is that the main issue, or is, or is it still the goaltending? Is, is it still the defense? Um, I think depth scoring is an issue. You're, you're absolutely right there because early on uh, they weren't getting any production at all from their bottom six bottom bottom six forwards, and and and, and that's an issue. And, and you're right; they, they were expecting more from McLeod. He has struggled. They're expecting more from Fowell. He has struggled. Uh, we you know talked about Connor Brown and his struggles right now. Um, they're not getting that production from the bottom end. And you look, you, you mentioned Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne had hips double hip surgery in the off season to, to fix a hip problem. And it looks like it, it really rejuvenated him because okay. he, he looks he looks like a different player. Like he feels, he says his, his hips feel great. He feels great skating. So I think that that was a that was a big thing for him. But um, you know he's he's on a line with with uh, James Hamlin and Derek Ryan. They're they're a decent fourth line, but they're mm-hmm. not very big. So they're not a line that's going to come and grind you down like maybe some other fourth lines are. are. So. They are doing uh, pr- producing in that sense that they, they're pretty good at you know they draw penalties they win puck battles mm-hmm. they do those good things but they they're not scoring a lot either so you're right if they they can they need some production from the bottom end because you get into a situation where if you're shutting down Drysdale like David your odds are you're going to win that game and you talk about goaltending and right now the Oilers you know if they're giving up three or four more three or more goals a game right now. And and then that's just a little too high. You're not gonna win a lot of games if you're giving up over three goals. And if your goaltenders have goal to, uh, goals against average over three. And I've always said this about the goaltending in Edmonton is that it doesn't have to be uh, incredible. They don't have to need a goalie that has a has goals against average under two. They need a goaltender that has a goals against average under three because the owners are usually going to score three or four goals a game. Anyway, and that's been the situation here is that they can't get a goalie to, to, to get a 900 save percentage or, or a three under a 3.0 goals against average. And that's the problem right yeah. now. And, and Stuart Skinner is, is doing what he can, but he's still a young guy and, and, and you're putting a lot of pressure on him. So the owners, in my opinion, do have to go out and get someone else to help out. Well, and that's that's exactly what my follow up question is. Uh, if if there's one guy that the Oilers, obviously in a, a realistic trade, could add to this roster right now, uh, who, who would be the guy that, that they should look in the market? Well, that's a good question. I, I thought for a while there, UC Saros was a guy that maybe they could pry from from Nashville because you know Nash, he's in his last year at Nash, Nashville, but it looks like he, he's going to stick around. And now the, the 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 Predators are making a run, so now the right. Predators are looking at going. Well, you know what? Maybe we can we can we can make a run here. Um, there's not a lot of guys out there. You know, Columbus has a goaltender, but a lot of people will be looking at him. Um, so you basically what the owners have to do is look at someone's number two guy, whether he can be a one, a here. So a guy, you know, a guy that's not playing a lot playing behind 
uh, you know, a star goaltender, maybe that guy they can pry out of someone. But it's going to cost them, and and it's yeah. probably going to cost them a first-round pick. And, and I think that's the thing right now. It's, teams aren't willing to help the owners. Teams aren't going to say, hey, I see you guys are struggling. Let me help you guys out. They're going to say, hey, you guys are struggling. It's going to cost you. You're going to have to pay to get to get a goaltender from us. And I think that's the situation they're in right now. And you look at the teams around them, they all have great goaltending. They all have really good goaltenders, especially out here in the West, in Western Canada. Mm-hmm. All the teams, their goaltending is fantastic. And if the owners should get goaltending like that, you know, they, they wouldn't be an issue. But they can't find uh, consistent goaltending right now. And and then they, they swung and missed with Jack Campbell. It happens. They they thought he could be the yeah. guy that'd come in here, and it didn't happen. They sent him to the minors, hoping that he could get his confidence back, and he's playing pretty poorly in the minors. You can't call him back up. So, yeah, so they may, may, may have to move on from Jack Campbell, but who is that guy? Uh, it's it's tough to know. Or even when you look at the Oilers financially, it's it's hard just like any other teams across the NHL. The Oilers are, are one of those teams that are really capped out, so it's going to be hard to go – outside of their organization to go get that extra depth scoring piece or a goaltending piece. But one name that I I think could maybe provide some depth scoring for them is Dylan Holloway when he returns. I I know he's in his third pro season and injuries have kind of held him back for, for the majority of that time. But it feels like when he's set to return this time, he's going to be put in a bit more of an elevated role, I would assume. So what have you... What have you made of Dylan Holloway, and do you think he could be that guy to kind of provide a little bit extra depth scoring for this uh, Oilers forward group? Well, they were hoping they were hoping he was that guy, but before he got hurt, he was also struggling to score. Yeah. Uh, he was also really struggling offensively, and I know there was there was people were saying, "Well, you got to play him in the top six. You got to play him in the top six. But you kind of have to earn that spot. You can't, exactly. you know, if you didn't have if you have zeros across the board. Uh, it's tough to justify. Okay, yeah, you get to play with McDavid or Drysaddle. You have zeros across the board, uh, so so he was struggling offensively. He was coming around, and then uh, the injuries. You're right. You're in, the injuries have really hampered his development uh, with the wrist injury, and then he had a sh- shoulder injury, I believe. Now he's got a knee injury, so it's really hampered his development. When he comes back, it's going to be interesting to see how long it takes him to get up to speed. He does have that potential. He's a very very good hockey player. He's a very smart hockey player, uh, and, and we've seen that potential in him. Um, it's just a matter of him trying to stay healthy uh, and him kind of finding that groove and finding that spot in the lineup. And I think still he still hasn't found that, that spot in the lineup. He's not a fourth-line guy. He's probably, a, you know, if they had a, like a 2A line, that, that would work out well for him. But he's not a top-six guy yet, but he's kind of expecting that third-line role where they don't get a lot of ice time. They don't get a lot of offensive opportunities. Uh, he doesn't get any power play time. So I think, you know, he's going to have to find his, his niche, his role here. Um, and I think he would be a good fit with, with Fogel and McLeod, but those two guys are also struggling to score. They, they, all three of the guys, guys can fly. They can skate. It's just a matter of they got to find some chemistry together. And, and it would be interesting to see when he does come back uh, what kind of role the new coach plays him. And the new coach hasn't seen him yet, so it will be interesting to see how he feels about him and, and whether he does give him that, that opportunity. But you got to kind of make your breaks as well. you got to kind of show that you're ready to take on that responsibility. And I don't think – Dylan Holloway did that early in the season. Uh, where are the Oilers at with the whole Philip Broberg situation right now? This was a guy, again, who the Oilers uh, management always wanted to pan out and had some high hopes for. Are they still testing the trade market with Broberg? And if so, where are some possible places he might land? Or what would the Oilers kind of want to have in return if a package was made for Broberg? 
Yeah, I think they may they may have uh, you know they may look to to cut bait with Broberg here. This is a guy that you know high draft pick came in here uh, highly touted. He had a pretty good first training camp. I remember him as a rookie. He really stood out, and people thought, "Wow, this guy's a big guy, can skate, carries the puck, has an offensive ability." But he just hasn't figured it out, and then he hasn't figured it out in the minors. He hasn't figured it out up here. Uh, and, and he's still getting exposed defensively. You know, he doesn't use his body. He's a big guy that doesn't really use his, his size uh, very well. Like, he's one of those guys that doesn't almost doesn't realize he's a big guy, can push people off the puck. So they want him to do a bit more of that. Um, but it might be a time where they say, you know what, we've, we've gone as far as we can with this guy, trying to develop him. Maybe we can move him. Maybe we can move him. They'll, they'll either bring in another defenseman if they do that because the Oilers need some depth defensemen. They just don't have any depth on the blue line in the minors at all. So they, if they, if they move them out, they have to move in, move in and bring in a depth defenseman, maybe an older guy that can help a guy that can play up and down, uh, you know, on your you know, first, second or third pairing, uh, a guy like that. But again, they'll have to throw in something else with them. And hopefully another team looks at Broberg and looks at his phys- physical skills and say, okay, we think we can make him into a player uh, because right now the orders haven't been able to get there. Uh, and it might be a situation where they're looking at the owners have had so many first round picks be busts, and yeah. I think they don't want this one to be one as well. Nail Yakupov, really Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Nail Yakupov, Jesse Puliarvi, yeah. like you can go down the list of guys that haven't worked out for the Edmonton owners, and and they don't want to add Brobert to that list, but he might very well be another guy that was a high pick that just didn't pan out for the Edmonton Oilers. We're in conversation with Derek Van Dees, regional writer for NHL.com. Derek, thanks for taking some time today. Best of luck for the rest of the season, and uh, hope to do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. There you go. It's Derek Van Dees, regional writer for the Edmonton Oilers over at NHL.com. Oilers, like I said, they were 8-2 and two coming in to that uh, New York Islanders game over their last 10. But as we talked about with Derek there, lost three in a row. I don't know where I'm at with this Oilers team. You know, like – you think they should be a playoff team year in and year out, given the fact that they have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. I think Evander Kane has been a really good fit there. Just about the only place I feel like Evander Kane can really thrive in the NHL is is where is in an Edmonton Oilers jersey, I think, just given the fact of how much baggage he kind of carries around uh, with all the outside-the-ice nonsense that he kind of does. I feel like McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of do a good job of putting him in his place and kind of saying, like, hey, we're here to play hockey. We're here to try and win games. And Vander Kane has filled the net for the Edmonton Oilers. Another guy, Zach Hyman, I think, has been a really good signing for the Edmonton Oilers, and he's been lighting up this year, you know, in the top 10 of goal scoring right now. I think he's got 18 on the year. Yeah, he's got 18. Right yeah, now. Zach Hyman is an awesome player. He really – he does everything. Uh, I remember, I think it was last year in the playoffs, he scored a goal that went off his face, and that's yeah. about as Zach Hyman as anything you can get. But, yeah, listen, Vander Kane's also got – 12 goals this year. He's, I mean, he's got 46 penalty minutes. He's, he's, That's he's, what you're going to get with him. Yeah, he's but. mixing it up for sure. But I, you're right. This Oilers team, you've got Connor McDavid. You've got Leon Dreisaitl. You've got now a, a top offensive defenseman in Evan Bouchard. This is a, a very good top of the lineup. But as we mentioned with Derek, the bottom six is rough. And when uh, uh, Sam Gagne, who's, who's pushing to, to 40 years old, like yeah, it, it, when he's you know, boosting your depth scoring. And when he's, he's the number one guy in the bottom six. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Uh, and even just money wise, if you want to talk about the Oilers decor here, like Darnell nurse making nine, nine million bucks. Like, yeah, I, I understand that he's still a quality NHL defenseman. I mean, he could probably play in a lot of teams, top four, but he's just not your marquee 
nine million dollar, ten million dollar type defenseman, and that's that's really hampered the Oilers uh, financially as well. Didn't bring it up there with Derek as well. He did a little bit, but that that contract with Jack Campbell is just making it harder and harder to trade right now. He's making four million dollars down in the minors, and that that whole situation has been really really interesting to unfold. I think it was just the other night he got pulled again playing against the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds, the uh, Seattle Kraken affiliate. Yeah, he's lost and his I, last I'm not week. sure if we're ever going to see Jack Campbell up with the Edmonton Oilers again, this season at least. I, I think they give him one more shot. And and the reason I just say to that— to try and justify that contract exactly. is the only thing? That, that's right. a part yeah. of it. Another, another part of it is Jack Campbell, even when he was in Toronto, he was very inconsistent, but his highs were very high. When he had a good game, he was really good. And we haven't really seen any of those, you know, the the peaks with Edmonton. So who knows? Not maybe... since like game four of that King series last year, I believe yeah. it was when he took over for Stuart Skinner. He looked pretty good then, but then you know they end up going back to to Skinner at the end of it too. Yeah. I I what I saw from Jack Campbell in Toronto was that he he can be a really good goalie. I I don't know what went on when he went to Edmonton, but. Listen, getting sent down to the AHL after signing a five by five is crazy, and he's he's gone zero and three in his last uh, three games. He's got a sub nine hundred in, in the AHL. It's and you feel for the guy. He's he's one of the the nice guys in the league. Everyone everyone paints him as that guy, so you you feel for him. But I don't know what they do with that contract. I will you know I'll, I'll reiterate he he's going to get another shot with the Oilers this year. Yeah, it might be one game. That's the thing. True. I saw reports that they were thinking about calling him up earlier on this month, but mm-hmm. a tough start against the Texas Stars earlier on in the month is is what really kind of made the, the management, you know, yeah, hit pause on that. But we'll see. That, that, that contract's making it hard for the Oilers to move it around if they wanted to go get a goaltending piece. For instance, like John Gibson out in Anaheim, that team has really regressed, and Gibson has made it known that he kind of want to move off of that situation. But yeah. You would have to think, given the fact that Gibson carries like a six and a six point four million dollar uh, cap hit, that that Campbell contract has to be going the other way, right? And, and a little bit more. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Oilers can do to shape up that goaltending situation or the bottom six or or that decor. It'll it'll be curious to see how uh, how far McDavid can really carry them and if, if they can get in the postseason. Because as we've mentioned, kind of all morning when we we're talking about the Flames and being in the hunt for that wild card is that the Western Conference is really top heavy. Yeah, it's full of six contenders. If you want to call them contenders, you know what I mean. It's like Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and then it's the three Pacific teams that you can really say that are solid. Everyone else is just kind of fighting for position and and the Oilers are definitely gotten them back into that uh, conversation so we'll see how things go uh we're going to take a quick break around the corner going to replay our chat that we had with Greg Wyshynski earlier on that's next keep it locked Sportsnet 960 the fan